Well, good morning, Liberty. Who's glad to be in church today? Come on. I want to welcome all the Liberty family at every campus and location. And those of you who have joined us online, uh, many of you watch from around the country, some in the military, around the world. We have those who are on vacation, you're traveling. Thanks for staying connected. And I always like to give a shout out to the men and women in the Virginia Department of Corrections, all the way from Richmond down to the North Carolina line. Two state prisons we've just been able to go into there. And we want you to know we're praying for you. Some of the facilities allow us to come in to do Bible studies, uh, to do mentoring. So I want us every campus, every location, put your hands together and make welcome all the church family. We're in a series called Grow. Everybody say grow. And uh, the Bible says right here, our theme verse, 2 Peter 3, 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are growing us. We know we're not everything that we should be, but I thank you that he who began a good work in us will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would move in these moments and speak to us personally about our duty and how we can be all that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. That's what I want to talk to you today about is duty. Remember I said in this series, I want you to move from a goal mindset to a grow mindset. In other words, nothing wrong with goals, but your number one goal should be to grow in every area of your life. And I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 17. Luke, chapter 17. And I want to talk to you today about duty. Everybody say duty. You know, this Friday is Veterans Day, and I received an email this week that said, Hampton Roads veteran population. Listen, I'm going to read it to you. Hampton Roads has the highest veteran proportion of adults that identify as veterans among the U.S. metro areas with more than a million residents. Nearly 70% of Hampton Roads veterans are below the age of 65. And I just want to say, there's some remarkable young men and women out there performing their duty. And they do it on every level, and they do it in every uh, conceivable condition. So as we are thinking about Veterans Day on Friday, and we have the largest adult veteran population right here in Hampton Roads. I'm going to ask those who are presently serving to stand and those who have served and you're a veteran to please stand. And can we at every campus right now express our appreciation to them? Thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you do. God bless you. You may be seated. I believe the military uh, embodies this idea of duty. They are doing their duty. And when it comes to duty, uh, it is the recognition that we all have a responsibility. It's a simple idea that we all have a job to do. Duty is daily performing, unselfish task, uh, trying to make a difference in your community, trying to make the world a better place. Duty is working hard six days a week and taking a day to honor God and worship Him. Duty is taking care of your family. Duty is teaching our children. Duty is caring for the sick and the dying. Duty is having a servant's heart, taking pride in everything that you do and doing it to the best of your ability. 
Now today I want to give you this verse, Luke 17, 10, and this is the passage that we'll stay in. I'll give you some more supporting verses. But I've had certain mentors in my life. For example, my grandfather uh, was a mentor to me. Uh, he taught me a strong work ethic, and he modeled it. And when he passed, uh, the family gave to me one of his Bibles that he read daily and, and marked up, and it's a treasure. Uh, Cliff Palmer was a mentor to me in church growth and reaching uh, a community for Christ. And when he passed, his wife and family gave to me his preaching Bible. It's a treasure. And uh, Sam Cathy was a mentor to me in preaching. I heard him when I was probably eight or 10 years old and, and uh, he taught me more about preaching than probably anyone or going to seminary. And, um, after he, and when he was alive, he gave me a lot of his books in his library and he gave me several of his Bibles. But when he passed, his wife, Mama Lou, sent to me one of his preaching Bibles and I hold it in my hand right now. And over in the back, I wanna show you this. Over in the back, he has written... There's 140 sermon outlines in this Bible, 140. And so when I look at Luke 17, I am looking at his handwriting at four points that I heard him preach when I was a little boy. And I want you to know, I remember those points and I remember that message. And hear me, there are four attitudes that you have to have if you're gonna do your duty. Four attitudes that you must have if you're gonna do your duty. And so today, I, I, I just, I want to let, he, he being dead still speaks. I'm, I'm going to take those same four points that God gave him, and I'm going to give you the message that God gave me for you this week. Are you ready? Here we go. First thing I want you to write down is this. No personal rights. No personal rights. You see, we live in a world that says demand your rights. We live in a world that says uh, you're entitled, and people feel entitled, do they not? And yet, the devil will come to you and put in your mind, and this is what's so dangerous, you deserve better. You deserve better than you're getting. I'm telling you, anything that's a notch above hell is better than we deserve. We are born hell-bound sinners. And, uh, you know, this past month, October, was Pastor Appreciation Month. And I just want to pause and say thank you for every card, every gift, every expression of love that you sent to me. And uh, uh, let me just say this. I hope that you've expressed your appreciation to your campus pastors because they're the ones who are locally, feet on the ground, ministering to you. And, uh, and I'm grateful for what you do for me, but if it's between me and them, do it for them. Let them know how much you appreciate it. We could not do what we do without having these campuses and local campus pastors. Can I have a good amen? Well, I was writing a thank you card this week. And on that thank you card, I wrote these words. I do not deserve it. I wanted them to know that I know I don't deserve the gift, but I'm appreciative. On the door at every campus, Probably that big is a sign. And it says, it's a privilege to be on this stage. Thank you, God, for choosing me. And that's my attitude today. I'm just saying to you that uh, the only reason I stand here is by the grace of God. The only reason that we're saved is the goodness of God, not because of anything that we deserve. No, in our flesh dwells no good thing. And I'm telling you, 
that God came to us when we could not come to him. When we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he came in grace, grace greater than all of our sin. I, I want you to know that the psalmist said in Psalm 103, he forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with love and compassion, satisfies your desires with good things and renews your strength like the eagle. Come on, put your hands together and praise God. And after doing all that for us, here's what Jesus said. Now take up your cross and follow me. Do your duty. I'm gonna give you 10 reasons why you have no personal rights. Say, you read that and just took offense to it. Your flesh said, oh, I do have my rights. No, I'm gonna give you 10 reasons right now. You ready? Number one, you don't have a right to have any other gods before him. He's the most high God. You don't have a right to make any graven image or idol in your life that takes the place of God. You don't have a right to take the Lord's name in vain. You don't have a right to work seven days a week and act as if God does not even exist. You never have a right to be disrespectful or dishonor your father and mother. You do not have a right to kill. You do not have a right to steal. You do not have a right to commit adultery. You do not have a right to tell lies or bear false witness. You do not have a right to covet, to be envious or jealous of others. Why? Because you never have a right to do wrong. Now look at the passage in context. In Luke 17, I just read to you verse 10, but always look at the context of a, a verse. And in verse one, it says, he said to his disciples, offenses will certainly come. So you're not gonna live this life without being offended. You're not gonna live this life without getting your feelings hurt. You're not gonna live this life without offending others and hurting their feelings. Others will cause you to stumble and you will cause others to stumble. And the Bible says, whoa, to who those offenses come. Listen, offenses will certainly come, but look at verse four. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and comes back to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. You must forgive him. This verse tells us two things. First of all, offenses will come and forgiveness is not optional. Did you hear that? Forgiveness is not optional, even in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I'm telling you, when you refuse to forgive, you're burning the bridge, you have to cross over yourself. You don't have a right not to love your enemies. You don't have a right to hold a grudge. You don't have a right to lose your temper. And by the way, you don't lose your temper. You find it. When you get shook up, what's on the inside comes out. You don't have a right to go to bed mad. The Bible said, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. You don't have a right to be bitter. People don't make you bitter. You choose to be bitter when you choose not to forgive. And holding a grudge is not hurting them. It's like you drinking the poison and expecting it to kill them. Listen, you don't have a right to be selfish. Look at what the Bible says, Philippians chapter two, verse three. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, humility. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. Let this, everybody say that word, mine be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And yet you have said, and you've heard people say, well, I got a right to my opinion. Where'd you find that in the Bible? <laughs> well, I got a mind of my own. 
Well, maybe so, but when you, when you give your life to Jesus and he becomes Lord, you're supposed to have the mind of Christ. Not your own mind. And so here, here it is. The only reason that we uh, get upset with our spouse and relationships and other people is when you don't get your way. But tell me, I never have a problem as long as I get my way. <laughs> Why do people complain? Why do people blame others? Why do they get mad? Why do they quit? Because they didn't get their way. And life's not fair. You're not always going to get your way. I'm telling you, the answer to conflict is mind over matter. Get to the place you don't mind. It won't matter. Amen? Listen, you get by giving. And you become first by being last. You become somebody by humbling yourself and becoming a nobody. You are ministered to when you minister to others. You are blessed when you bless others and esteem them better than yourself. And if you want harmony and unity and peace in your family, you have to die to self. Write down 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who's in you? Whom you have from God? Here it is. We are God's purchased possession. We've been bought with a price. You are not your own. For you were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. And so the, I've spent a little more time on the first point because if you don't get this one right, the other three won't matter. Number one, first attitude you've got to have if you're going to do your duty, no personal rights. Number two, if you ever get to the place you say there's no personal rights, Jesus is Lord and I'm just his servant, then number two, you'll experience no personal limits no personal limits. Uh, look back at verse five. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, Jesus said, you can't say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. How many times have you said something like this? Well, we're, we're all human. Well, we are all human. But let me tell you, at the point you trusted Jesus and he became the Lord and Savior of your life, he put the Holy Spirit inside of you. The Holy Spirit that hovered over the waters at creation. The Holy Spirit that hovered over Mary's womb when Jesus came incarnate. God in flesh. I'm telling you, the Bible says, the Bible says that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. We have a duty. He gave us the great commission. Go into all the world. Make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. You say, that's an impossible task. Oh, no, it's, it's possible. Why? Acts 1.8. Because you will receive power. See, it's not in our streets. He is. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Here's the way the hymn writer said it. Rescue the perishing, duty demands it. Strength for thy labor, the Lord will provide. People are always saying, well, I just wanna know God's will for my life. How many times have you thought that or said that? I just want to know God's will for my life. Well, I'm going to give it to you. Write it down. Here's God's will for your life. Be what God wants you to be. Do what God wants you to do. Where he wants you to do it. In the power he gives you to do it. That's it. I'm preaching 75% better than you are responding. I'm just telling you. 
Oh, that is the will of God for all of our lives. With God, all things are possible, and you can do anything he calls you to do, anything. God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. You can do anything he calls you to do. Stop comparing yourself to other people. I'm telling you, find out what your spiritual gift is. Use it on the life team. Use it in the local church. Use it in the body of Christ. We have life track today. No obligation. Just come find out who we are as a church. The meal's free. Child care's free. And you can figure out where you fit in the body of Christ. Someone put it like this. This is the way God shapes us. S-H-A-P-E. You're still awake? Say amen. amen. He gives you a spiritual gift at the point of salvation with which to serve him. Then heart. H stands for heart. What do you have a heart to do? What do you love? What do you enjoy doing? A, abilities. Uh, some are creative and some, uh, God's given you musical gifts and talents. And, and, and some of you, you work well with your hands. Some of you with your mind. Uh, P stands for personality. We, we don't all have the same personality, do we? There are at least four different types of personality. Now, I didn't say that you have four different personalities. If you have four different personalities, you need professional help. But here it is. If you've ever taken the DISC, D-I-S-C profile, it shows you four different personalities. D stands for dominant. They're just born leaders. They're dominant. They're confident. They may, they may be wrong, but they'll never be in doubt. <laughs> and then I, D-I, I stands for influence. They're just, they're the life of the party. It's all about people. How many people can we hang out with today? You know? And then D-I-S, S stands for steady. Steady Eddie. These people, uh, that, listen, they have to have time to process. They need about 72 hours to think it over before they make a decision. Uh, they say, uh, you know, forget people, give me processes. That's what they want. And, and, and so uh, uh, there are those that are just steady. And then D-I-S-C stands for conscientious. These people focus on quality and accuracy, and they're always fearful they're going to be wrong. Now, how many of you thought of somebody when I named all four personalities? Yeah. And, and here, in marriage, God puts two people together. They don't have the same personality. In the church, God puts us together. We don't have the same personality. But, but God balances the body with these different personalities and gifts in the body of Christ. Thank God for those who are keeping the nursery right now and working in uh, kids' ministry right now. And they're, they're loving on those kids while their parents can hear the word of God preached. But let me just tell you, if you've got that D personality, you probably don't need to be in Kidville. Yeah, because you'll run off every parent and child with the family that comes. Oh, but thank God for those who are into influence and relationships and, and they're steady and consistent. Have you got it? Say, I got it. You just need the right people in the right places. And the reason people uh, quit is a lot of times you're trying to do something that God didn't give you to do. All right? And E stands for experiences. You have them at home, at work, at school. And here's the one we don't like, painful experiences. But God uses even the painful experiences in life to help other people. So here it is, fulfillment in life only comes when you're doing what God put you on this earth to do using the gift with which he gave you to do it. So find out what it is he wants you to do. Stop, here it is. 
Stop trying to do what you want to do with your life and find out what God wants to do with your life. That's it. And if you'll get to the place that you say, Jesus is Lord, I have no personal rights, I'm just a servant of the Most High God, that's when you will experience, listen, no personal limitations. God can do anything he wants to do with your life. Number three, no personal praise. No personal praise. If we're all servants, remember, we're an unworthy servant, we've just done our duty. That's what the verse said. And so if we're all servants, it doesn't matter who gets the credit as long as God gets the glory. Do you ever feel taken advantage of, taken for granted? Do you notice when no one notices? Do you get your feelings hurt when no one brags on you? Let me tell you, you cannot hurt a dead man's feelings. Go up to a casket. Try it. Just say, I don't like what you're wearing. You kind of look sick. Just, you can't hurt a dead man's feelings. You know why he's dead. And the Bible says when Jesus died, we died. And when he was buried, we were buried. And when he arose, we arose. We're to be dead to self, dead to sin, and alive to Christ. And if you're doing what you're doing for the praise of man, Jesus said you have your reward. See, the Pharisees did what they did to be seen of man. They, they wore long robes, prayed long prayers, sat in the VIP seats, the seat of Moses. And Jesus said, they have their reward. But I tell you today, live for the approval of God, not the praise of man. And when you do your duty, and this is important, don't expect praise. There's nothing wrong with giving praise, but I'm just telling you, don't expect it. When you pay your taxes... The IRS is not going to send you a thank you note. <laughs> you did your duty. When you put that quarter or that money in that parking meter, the city will not send you a thank you note. You are doing your duty. And I want to say to every dad and mom, when you're keeping your kids and raising your kids, that's not called babysitting, it's called parenting. And if you bring them in this world, then you have a duty to feed them, clothe them, bathe them, educate them, and raise them. Have you ever noticed that people have a tendency to demand their rights but dodge their responsibilities? They demand their rights but dodge their responsibilities. If you've never heard Admiral William H. McRaven, Google that name online, not now, but when you get home. And to listen to his commencement speech a few years ago at the University of Texas. And he said to them, here are the lessons I learned in Navy SEAL training. If you want to change the world, start by making your bed. Oh, it's awesome. It's incredible. Listen, he said it's the first task of the day. It's the first thing you're taught in military and in, the, in, in basic training. And he said they're going to inspect it every morning and then they're going to praise you for it. They, it's expected. Inspected and expected. He said it demonstrates discipline. It shows attention to detail. And it is a reminder. Here it is. If you don't know how to do the little things well, you won't do the big things well in life. Little things matter. Little things matter. At the end of the day, regardless of how difficult your day, it'll be a reminder that you did something well, that there was something to be proud of, and it'll encourage you when you get in a bed that you made that tomorrow can be a better day. The simple act of making your bed 
will give you the lift you need to start your day and provide satisfaction you need at the end of your day. And do what you do for the glory of God. I never did understand why you have to make your bed because you're going to get right back in it tonight. And so I, I never have understood it. And nobody else is going to see it between the time I got out of it and uh, get back in it. But I have learned to make my bed and put all 12 looking at pillows that Miss Tammy wants on it. Because if no one else sees it, let me tell you, she does. <laughs> and more important than that, God does. Do what you do for God. All right? Last, last thing. No personal sacrifice. No personal sacrifice. God owns it all. He's Lord. We're just managers, servants of what he has given to us. The Bible says to obey is better than sacrifice. So if the Lord asks us to do something, when we do it, it's not that we sacrifice for him. It's called obedience. To obey is better than sacrifice. Uh, now, I want you to hear this. This is so important. You're going to miss it if you're not listening. Punch your neighbor and say, listen. Kind of gently, all right? Not too hard. <clears throat> Here it is. I can sacrifice for you. You can sacrifice for me, but none of us can sacrifice for God. You say, what? Listen, what are you going to give God he didn't give you first? Who can stand before God and say, God, look at what I did for you? No one. No such thing as no personal sacrifice for God. No, if God asks you to do it, in light of all he's done for us, we're just doing our duty. We're doing our duty. Paul said in Romans chapter 15, verse 27, talking about the Gentiles taking up an offering for Jewish uh, believers back in, uh, in Jerusalem that were suffering. Here's what he's saying. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. As Gentiles, we owe a debt to the people of Israel. You say, Why? Because they, listen, they gave us Jesus. God, through Abraham and Abraham's seed, the nation of Israel, the tribe of Judah, gave us the Messiah. How do you think we got the Old Testament scriptures? Through the people of Israel. So we owe a debt to them. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of spiritual things, their duty, everybody say duty. Their duty is also to minister to them in material things. And that's why they sent the offering. And I want you to know there's, there's several ways we repay the debt that we owe to the people of Israel. One, we pray for them. The Bible says in Psalm 122.6, we're to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Another way we pay back that debt is Romans 11. Just go read the whole chapter. Let me tell you, God is not through with his people called Israel. And they are in a state of unbelief and we pray and witness for them uh, that they will recognize their true Messiah, which they will in the last days. And then the last thing we do is we give. And many of you have given uh, to send relief, to help uh, in the war in Israel. And I thank you because in doing so, I believe it's pleasing to God. Now, here's what President Kennedy said. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. That's what you call duty. Let me tell you what everybody can do uh, on Tuesday. Go vote. 
I believe you have a Christian duty to do it. You know why I've got my sticker? I've already done it. And Tammy's already done it. And, and her mom's already done it. 86 years old. Now, what's your excuse? Tuesday's election day, and they give us a long time to vote even before. Do your duty. You have a Christian responsibility. And I believe you're going to answer to God for uh, did we vote or not? And did we vote for the candidates that line up with this book? Or did we vote and put into office those who are antithetical to this book? And, and I know there's no perfect candidate. We're dealing with people. None of them are perfect. But I think it's easy to look at and see which one's the best. And sometimes you've got to hold your nose and vote. <laughs> Here's what Solomon said, Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole, everybody say it, duty of man. Now last week, I said this, it is better to have 90% with the blessing of God than to have 100% without it. I said it's better to work six days a week with the blessing of God than to work seven days without it. Back in World War II, a telegram was sent on February the 9th, 1945 to three families, boat makers in America. Here's the telegram. How many boats can you make in 19 days? General Dwight D. Eisenhower, Supreme Allied Commander of the Allied Forces, sent the telegram because he was getting ready to invade Germany. They'd already pushed the Germans out of France and they retreated back into Germany. But he knew that if he didn't invade Germany, that Hitler would stay in power, that they would dig in and it'd be harder to win that war and he knew he was running out of supplies. So he said, how many boats can you make in 19 days? He needed 569 storm boats, boats that would carry equipment and, and soldiers across the Rhine River and be beached and then run out and invade Germany. Well, one of the companies was the correct craft company it's called today and uh, the owner of it was a man by the name of Ralph Mellon. And it's an amazing story. Uh, they made 48 boats a month, 12 a week, about two a day. After praying about it, they said, we'll do 319 days, 300. He thought it was his duty to help his country. Uh, he hired an extra shift and, and, and more employees and they were gonna work around the clock but he had also made another commitment. He had a duty to God and he had never worked on Sunday. And they had chapel every Wednesday. And so he told the government with the help of God, they would not be working on Sunday. They would have Wednesday chapel and they would still produce 300 boats. Well, after the first day, they only had one boat. And by the end of the week, they were falling way behind. So they had a prayer meeting. And in that prayer meeting, Ralph's brother, Walt, conceived of a new machine and a change he could make on a jig they were using. And in doing so, they produced the 300 boats ahead of time. The other two companies fell behind working seven days a week. And the government came back and asked the Kraft family if they would make 100 more boats. They did 400 boats in 15 days, not working on Sunday. 
That's not the end of the story. When the government shipped all 700 boats over there for the invasion of Germany, they found out the other two boat companies did not make the boats according to specification and the high-speed motor would not fit on the back of the boat. They ended up being rowboats and only the 400 boats made by Ralph Mellon and his family were used for the invasion. Listen, God blessed him. He lived to be over 100 years old and his boat company is the oldest family-owned boat company still operating in America today. They have brands like Bass, Cat, Bryant, Nautique, your craft. I'm telling you, God will enable you to do your duty and in the process, he'll bless you for it. He blesses obedience. When we fail to do our duty, we fail God and we fail others. The sermon I've preached to you is not about good intentions. The sermon I've preached to you is not about making excuses. The sermon I've preached to you today is about action. Do your duty. Research shows that we conform to the behavior of people around us. Listen, if people around you are messy, you'll be messy. If people around you are calling in sick, you'll call in sick. If people around you lay out of work, you'll lay out of work. But the Bible calls us to be different, to do our duty. Someone said this, don't call in sick, crawl in sick. I like that. Unless you're contagious. If you got the flu or COVID, we don't want you around us, all right? But here's what I tell you. I'm in my 39th year of preaching and uh, ministry. And up to age 50, I never missed a Sunday sick, did I? Up until age 50, I never missed a Sunday or called in sick. I preach sick a lot of times. But, but here's what I'm telling you. I, I had gallbladder surgery and I had to miss a Sunday. And then I had all these eye surgeries and I missed. But my point is this. Can people count on you to do your duty? Our desire should be to be all that God wants us to be. And listen. The reason that there's no personal sacrifice is because Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus is the once and for all sacrifice for sin. All of the human priests had to sacrifice daily for their own sin and the sin of the people. But Jesus was sinless. He's the spotless Lamb of God. He came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And he laid down his life once and for all on the cross the sacrifice for sin. And he paid your debt, my debt, the debt of all people, all sin, in full. All you have to do to receive it is believe. Bow with me for prayer. Would you pray something like this in your heart? Just say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for giving me life. Thank you for dying on the cross to give me eternal life. Help me to live for you, to do my duty, to be responsible every day, to fulfill the purpose for which you put me on this earth to do. And I know I can't earn my way to heaven. I'm not trusting in morality or good works or religion, but I trust in your finished work on the cross to pay for all of my sins, to make me part of your family, so I can spend eternity with you. Thank you for loving me so much. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Can we rejoice with those who prayed that prayer online and at our campuses? You can find the red card at all of our locations. Turn it in at the Next Step Center or put it in the basket. If you're following online, just 
text the word yes to 40371. And I want to encourage you to take your next step. Uh, you can text baptized to 40371. Uh, we would love for you to go to Life Track today. No obligation. Just go and learn more about us and how you can be used of God in this local church. And uh, as I said, we have a meal, we have brunch or lunch and child care. And so if you've never been, if, if Liberty's where you worship, but it's never been officially your church home, this is your day at all of our campuses. Let's stand. We're going to close with a song of reflection, a song of response. And I want you to respond to what God said to you today. And the altar will be open at all of our campuses. You make that place an altar where you're watching online. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word that it never returns void. And I thank you for these four attitudes that Papa Sam taught me years ago. And I pray the Holy Spirit has taught us again today. Lord, help us to live them out at home, at work, at school, at church. And God, we just confess we can't do it without you. So Jesus, we need you. You're powerful, we're not. You're above it all, we're not. And so, Lord, I'm asking you to perform miracles, to do the impossible. We pray like the apostles, increase our faith. We know without faith it's impossible to please you. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to be all that you want us to be for your glory. Hear the prayers of your children as they cry out to you in Jesus' name. Amen.